Okay, ladies and gents, we are starting off 2023 with a bang. I cannot wait for this year. It is going to be a great year of just all sorts of goodness to help you guys on your journey of doing the three things that we're going to focus on this year. We're going to be finding faith. Not always an easy thing to do, but we are going to be looking to find faith. Then we're going to move into living that faith. What does it mean to live as a Christian? Which is something that I've struggled with quite a bit uh, through the years in just understanding, okay, how do I bring God into every part of my life? And then we are going to move into how to share that faith. Because, you know, once we're filled with that Holy Spirit, we just want to share it. And that is the Great Commission. That is what Jesus asked us to do. So how do we best go out and do that? And that's what we're going to be focusing on all through 2023 here at the Finding Faith Above podcast. And we are kicking it off with an interview with Eric Johnson. He is the author of Introducing Christianity to Mormons, but he's also the author of all sorts of other great books that I have in my library. Uh, But this particular book is a practical and comparative guide to what the Bible teaches. And the foreword is even written by Michael Wilder. So it is a great book. This is a great interview, one that I highly suggest for you guys to run out and grab this book to be able to just understand some of those very basic things. And this, you know, totally goes along with what we've been talking about with uh, the basic Christian beliefs that all of us should be knowing, you know, all of us should know these basic Christian beliefs. And it it is more than just a you know, living as a good person or whatnot, but really, truly that piece of Jesus and how that can change our lives. And so we're going to jump into this interview. I think you guys are going to love it. I also wanted to invite you guys on this whole little journey of finding faith right now. If you are struggling with that, if you are struggling with the transition moving into Christianity, if you have some big questions and you want to talk to somebody about it, if you are struggling with things with your family now that this has happened or, or you know, where you're at socially with uh, not having a community like you used to have, or, or how do you just bring God into every aspect of your life? And you just have some questions, you want to talk to somebody, head on over to findingfaithabove.com. I would love to talk to you. I would love to. I think, um, honestly, it's kind of what God's asking me to do is just to help you guys. So if you would like to uh, take a look more at that, findingfaithabove.com, and let's jump into this interview.
All right, Eric. So you have truly lived a life of helping people who are coming to Christ. I mean, really just what you have done has been amazing. And uh, when I saw your book come up in an ad in a Facebook group that we're both in, I was like, this is perfect because it fits totally in line with where we've been at with the podcast, with helping people to come to Christ and understand some of those basic Christian beliefs that can be so confusing for people. Uh, But before we get into that, because I cannot wait to get into some of that, I'd really love to just hear where you came from in your faith journey. Were you part of the church when you were growing up? How how did this how did you end up in Utah doing this? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people like to ask that uh, as far as not having been a, a Mormon before and then being part of this ministry is uh, uh, interesting for people. Why would I even care? But uh, something happened in 1978, Jim Jones, if you remember uh, the People's Temple, a thousand people committed suicide by drinking the cyanide lace Kool-Aid in Guyana uh, in South America. And that was a, uh, a major wake up call for me as a junior in high school. I had become a Christian when I was 10 years of age. Uh, Billy Graham had an influence in my life watching him on TV. And I grew up in a Christian church, but I'd never heard about dedicating your life and becoming born again to Jesus. And and so I did that at the age of 10. But when I was 16 in high school, that event took place in, in the fall of, 20, uh, of um, 1978. I asked myself, is this what I'm believing, what I'm going to church for, and I go to a Christian school, is this really real? So it caused me to not only look at what I believe, but also to take a look at what other people believed. It was one of those I need to own my own faith moments that for me was very important because I would, I, for a lot of reasons, I just, it was convenient to be a Christian, but I wanted to believe it because it was true. And then I started to get involved in uh, uh, different uh, ministries, one called Making Disciples Ministry in the 1980s. In 1987, I ended up going to Utah for a short-term mission, uh, working with uh, an organization, uh, Youth with a Mission here in, in Utah. And I, I just fell in love with the Mormon people. And uh, so uh, uh, I ended up meeting Bill McKeever in 1989, a couple of years later. Uh, and I I've been helping him out ever since. I taught for almost two decades in Southern California. I was the Bible department chair of a uh, Christian school, a high school, and also taught at the college and seminary levels before I did move here in 2010 uh, to the Salt Lake City area. So that's where I live today with my wife and and our dog. I have three girls and and, uh, they're all out of the house. They're all doing their own things. And so God's been very good in the kind of ministry that I have enjoyed doing full time since 2010. One of the things that you talk about in your book when you kind of open this up is when you very first went out there and you had uh, a moment where you were trying to bring a family essentially to Christ and how, uh, I guess, eye-opening it was that it was not going to be as easy as you thought it was going to be. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they say 85%, and I don't know if those percentages, if we can really nail those down or not, but 85% of people who leave the Mormon church do leave God altogether. And, you know, I think I was definitely one of those people when I first left the church, I left God as well. And it took me, you know, 20 years to find him. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But you do talk about how there is a way to do this, and there is a way to be able to talk to people to help them to come to that other side. And uh, I don't know, maybe if you can share a little bit about that and how that that might look. 
No, that's a good question. I um, uh, You're talking about the introduction in 1987. I was here in Utah doing this summer of mission, and, and uh, I had talked to lots of Latter-day Saints before then, so it wasn't my first time, but I had never been in Utah knocking on doors and talking to somebody. This was a couple probably 80 years old. I don't know exactly how old they were, but had never heard the gospel before. They invited me into their house, and uh, we had a chance to talk. And, and I didn't have a bad attitude. I, I was very positive. I wanted to share my faith, but I didn't do it well. And I wanted to make that clear that just because I'm writing a book on this topic doesn't mean that I did it well in the past or that I do it always well here in the present or I'll do it well in the future. I mean, this is one of those things you just gain experience by talking to to, to people. And so for me to be able to um, uh, to be able to share my faith in a way that makes sense. I have to understand, for instance, the language used by Latter-day Saints. Uh, it's, a, it's the same terms. That's the problem. We're talking the same language, and yet we mean different things. And so asking the question, what do you mean when you say this or that? Now, you said 85%. Uh, actually, there's a book that was done by Jana Reese. I'm sure you're familiar with Jana Reese, a Mormon blogger. She wrote a book called The Next Mormons uh, with Oxford Press. So it's, it's a scholarly book uh, back in 2019. Her stats say 45% of everybody who leaves the church uh, ends up going to atheism, agnosticism, or nothing at all. Another 22% call themselves just Christian. And as you know, if you don't go to a Christian church, just leaving Mormonism and being a good person is not going to make you a God-fearer. So, so that's two out of three people. And, uh, and, and then she said one-third go to some kind of religion. That's mainly mainline Christianity, which is more liberal, or evangelical Christianity, Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy. People go to Buddhism or Islam as well. But evangelical Christianity, only 10%, she says in her book, go to evangelical Christian churches who end up becoming Christians. And I know a lot of them at my church and other churches here in Utah, but I'm going to tell you for everyone that I know, that's really disconcerting to think that nine others are out there who have left and have no hope at all. Uh, we have a great message. We have something to present. I graduated with a degree in advertising and marketing, and, and I'm not trying to demean the gospel when I say we have a good product. I mean, what kind of product do we have? We have one where eternal life is available, a relationship with Jesus. And the Latter-day Saints used to believe in God and used to believe in Jesus. And all of a sudden they leave the church and they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I realize they've been burned. Uh, religion did that. Man did that, not God. And so that's what I try to challenge when I talk to a lot of skeptics, or they might call themselves atheists or agnostics, or, or they're just not sure. I, I ask them, have you searched it out? Have you read the Bible for yourself? I think that's important. But as, as a Christian, I have a good product, but I got to know what that product is. And I also need to know what Latter-day Saints believe. And that's a lot of what my writing has been in the past, including this book as well. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think so many people do just leave completely? I mean, do you th working with so many people, is there something that stands out to you? Yeah, that's that's the hard part. Uh, I, I asked that question because, uh, in fact, I uh, work at uh, Sandra Tanner's uh, bookstore, Utah Lighthouse Ministry in Salt Lake City. I volunteer on Saturdays with my, my friend Bill and I take turns. Just a couple of months ago, there were in the store at one time. This is really rare to have more than one person in the store at a time. We had three couples. I had three couples in the store, and all of them had just left the church in the past year. Can you imagine? 
all three of these couples. Well, when they're on my turf, I'm very bold. And so I'll ask the question, well, what caused them to leave? And so they, you know, they'll tell me the one, one lady said, uh, oh yeah, it was because of the, the, the homosexuality issue, which is a big issue right now, especially with progressives. And I don't like the way the church handles that. And so I, I left the church and I don't think that's a good reason to leave the church. Uh, I'd rather you leave the church because it's not true, not because you disagree with the political or social statement um, or, or belief system. But, but I'm, so, so anyway, she leaves the church and I said, um, you know, I tried to engage her in conversation and I said, would you ever consider evangelical Christianity? She just looked at me, stared at me and she says, no way, I will never be part of another religion again. And I'm thinking, well, that's pretty, that's pretty harsh. I, I said, I said, I'm not offering you religion. Yes, Christianity is a religion. I'm not trying to say it's not, but I'm offering you, if you would, if you would listen and, and maybe read the Bible, there's a possibility of having that relationship with God. She wanted nothing to do with it. So I think the answer to your question is, I think for people who have been burned by religion, it's one of those, uh, burn me once, shame on me, or shame on you, uh, burn me twice, shame on me. And I think that they don't want to get burned a second time. They don't want anything to do with church. They're not going to come to your churches, by the way. Generally, unless somebody's there to invite them to church, oftentimes they're not going to get there. They're just going to stay home and they'll be, they'll be just Christian as that 22% in the book listed are. But uh, I think that's where we as Christians need to reach out and explain that I'm sorry you got burned by man. I'm sorry you got burned by a religion, but Jesus didn't do that to you. And they might, I've had Mormons say, well, yeah, he, he shouldn't have allowed that. Well, they want a perfect world. They want robots. Uh, they want love to be forced on them. That's not how God operates. So I have to say, at least give other ideas a chance. Do some investigation. For Christianity, read the New Testament. See if what is taught there is the same as what you were taught in the LDS church. I'm going to tell you it's not. It's completely different. You're going to be shocked if you just read it in its context. I've had Latter-day Saints take me up on that, and it's changed their life forever. Yeah, yeah. And that the peace of Jesus is so incredibly different than following a set of rules in a church that is put together by man. I mean, it it's like on a completely different way of thinking, way of feeling, way of everything. But to explain that to somebody is hard. <laughs> it really is hard. It is. And we have to understand, Shelby, that, uh, you know, First Corinthians chapter one and two, it says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. I don't quite understand that because I think I sometimes present, I thought I did a pretty good job of explaining the gospel to somebody and they just look at me in a stare. You've seen this before and they just go, oh, I don't get it. Well, I have to understand that I am only in sales. God is the one who is in production. I mean, I'm supposed to be the best salesman I can be. And again, I'm, I don't want to minimize the gospel by going back to my advertising marketing career or, or education. But I, I think we have to do a good job of presenting. And we might do a bad job as I did, as I explained that one summer afternoon in, uh, in Manti, Utah. I didn't do a good job. I talked too fast. I didn't listen to what he had to say. I just spewed it out and he didn't get a good grasp of the gospel. And I promised myself that day that wasn't going to happen again. I was going to do better. I was going to learn better tactics. And uh, and over the years, I, I hopefully have done that to be able to at least be able to do that. However, just because you present the gospel well, 
and you love people and you do everything the gospel, uh, the, the, the Bible says we're supposed to do, it doesn't mean that they're going to understand. So it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. And it's going to take a lot of prayer, especially with your relatives and your friends. It's not going to necessarily happen overnight as much as we would like that to happen. And if we allow God to work through us and we have that kind of an attitude, okay, God, I'm ready for somebody to want to receive you today. But if not, I'm willing to deal with that as well. I think then God can use us. And then we understand it's not about us. It's about him and his sovereign will. Well, I love the fact that you brought up that particular verse about the cross, because one of the next steps that we had in this little progression of of our series that we're doing right now, we've talked about trusting the Bible, because I feel like that's number one before we can do anything else, because as a Mormon, I was very, I was told over and over, you know, it's not trustworthy and that we needed to rely on everything else. And what's funny about it is that's one of the things that I carried with me, even though I left the religion. I still carried that thought process with me, which was crazy. But we've talked about that on in this series. We've talked about which translation we should use. We talked a little bit about the Trinity creation, the the concept of no preexistence. Like that was like mind blowing mm-hmm. <laughs> when I first learned that. Well, we also talked about sin. Um, but right now we're kind of at that point of talking about the cross and the cross for myself as growing up in the Mormon church was almost like a bad word. Like you didn't wear them. You didn't, I didn't understand the significance really of it. I didn't really understand why other people would, would put them up or talk about them. And, and having not really read the Bible with open eyes, I didn't realize how often it does talk about the cross and the meaning of that. Uh, so I wanted to just see, I know in your book, you talk a lot about justification, sanctification. We move into all of that. Just kind of wanted to open it up. What are the differences between Mormonism and Christianity when it comes to the cross? Well, uh, boy, the cross, uh, I, and I, I cited earlier, 1 Corinthians 1.18, uh, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. This is This is a hard issue because in Galatians 2, it says that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is the difference because the cross for the Christian is the centerpiece because without the cross, we don't have atonement for sins. It's not about it's not about perspiration of Jesus uh, bleeding in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, which is what the Mormon will point to as far as the atonement goes, but it's rather it's about expiation. It's about actually dying. The sacrificial victim had to die, and he, the book of Hebrews does a great job of explaining the Old Testament concept and said that Jesus shed his own uh, blood on the altar. In Hebrews 9 and 10, you read those chapters, and there's no doubt that Jesus came to do that. Mormonism says, well, you know what, the, the, they'll talk about the atonement, they'll talk about the grace of God, but that is not what gives them what's called exaltation or celestial glory, life in the celestial kingdom forever. That paves the way for all people who are born because according to Mormonism, as you well know, the preexistence 
all people once lived there as spirits, and two-thirds of God's children were born on this earth because of their faithfulness to Jesus as being the Savior. Uh, when there was a dispute between uh, Lucifer and, and uh, Jesus, one-third of our brothers and sisters became demons. They were never given the chance to have bodies. But because of this, almost like it's a karmic uh, a good deed that you did, because you chose Jesus, you're born on this earth, given the body necessary to progress, and the hope that you can someday get to the celestial kingdom. So while the Latter-day Saint says, well, we're, we're you know, we're, we're uh, the, the cross is important to us. We believe in the atonement. We do believe that uh, the grace of God will save us. But it's a completely different concept because the Christian uh, puts 100% of his faith in what Jesus did for him. It's Jesus did enough, not I have anything to add to that. But the Book of Mormon says in 2 Nephi 25-23 that we're saved by grace after all we can do. So Mormonism has a two-stage salvation process. One is atonement and grace given to everybody, regardless of who you are, and you'll get one of the three kingdoms of glory after you die. But that's not enough. To get to the celestial kingdom, you have to have, uh, well, as it says in D&C uh, 2515, keep my commandments continually, and unless you do, where I am, you cannot come. Those are those are words Latter-day Saints understand. Ask a, a typical Latter-day Saint if he knows he has salvation, that he'll be eternally with Jesus forever. And they say they don't know. They're trying, they're striving, they're doing their best, all commendable. But 1 John 5.13 says we may know we have eternal life. How does a Christian know? Because of faith, through faith alone, and not based on anything we do. Second, or Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, a very common verses. I think they're important verses. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Anything you think you are offering to God as a work is going to be rejected in the end. It's only based on faith, and that faith is the cornerstone, the cross, and the resurrection, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. That is what we as Christians depend on. Jesus is enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is just so confusing, though, for people who have left uh, this mentality of believing that it is your your works. It is uh, being a good person that's going to bring you to see God again. And I've talked to many people who have left the church and are still kind of in that place. And, and I kind of know right away when they say these things like, oh, well, I don't need religion. I, I'm, I'm a good person. It'll be okay. That I'm like, you're, you're not there yet though. Look, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes here. Can I tell you about Jesus? Because it, it is different. It's not the same thing. And I know you go into that much more in your book too, as to what that looks like. And, um, I think it's just so incredibly important for people, uh, to understand the gravity of what Jesus did for us. Oh yeah. <laughs> Preach it because that's exactly what we need to communicate. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. As I said earlier, uh, Jesus really did exist. I think most Latter-day Saints who leave the church, they, they, they agree. Yeah, he existed. As C.S. Lewis said, he can't just be a good moral teacher. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. I think a fourth possibility is maybe he was a legend. I think all of those other possibilities are thrown out as far as having Jesus in your system. If he was a liar, he's not a good person. If he was a crazy man, a lunatic, on the level of a poached egg, as C.S. Lewis says, he's not to be worthy to be followed. If he's a legend, and I don't think he is because 1 Corinthians 15 goes back all the way to the, uh, to the 30s uh, A.D. to give uh, um, a, a, 
what was cited as kind of a uh, a creed back in those days that Jesus uh, was seen by 500 people. And, and this is not something that grew over time like Paul Bunyan or St. Nicholas. This is something that is real and historical. If that's the case, you're going to have to make up your own mind. I, I do reject the Jesus of Mormonism, that he's a spirit brother of Lucifer, that he's not God in the flesh, the capital G, that uh, that we can actually pray to him, not just in his name, but we can pray Jesus and he hears our prayers. If that is true, then then all the other versions of Jesus sink away. But 2 Corinthians 11.4 says it's possible to have a false Jesus. Galatians 1.8.9 says it's possible to have a false gospel. Uh, unfortunately, you know this, you heard this in your when you went to the church. Uh, if the church isn't true, then nothing else is. Uh, that's a that's a common statement i'll say that to uh people who have left the church and they'll just nod their heads oh yes we always used to encourage each other by saying that and that is a lie from satan because if if mormonism isn't true something else has to be even if it's atheism but you can't have as many former Latter-day Saints go to pluralism, all paths lead to God. That's not true. Either Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or he is not. But having a, a relationship with the true Jesus of the Bible, I think, ought to be emphasized by Christians who want to share their faith effectively with Latter-day Saints. Absolutely. So one of the big things that I, I do like to preach on this podcast, for sure, mm -hmm. is the fact that I think so often when we're trying to get people out of Mormonism, we like to bring up this CES letter or things that are going to like bombshell them, like, you know, the book Abraham and, and the facts and the truth about that. And um, unfortunately, what I have found in my experience is when you throw these big bombshells on people and kind of shatter all of their belief system without first introducing Jesus, who Jesus truly is, then I feel like you've lost them. Has this been your experience too? You you are right on that because uh, we used to attend these ex-Mormon uh, meetings in Salt Lake City. They were held every year. I don't think they're held anymore. Uh, but uh, years ago, Bill and I, Bill McKeever, the head of my the ministry, Mormonism Research, and, and I used to go to those. And you know what? Unfortunately, Mormonism is a great breeding ground for future atheists. And these folks, all former atheists, ex-Mormons, were just bitter, angry, not very nice people to hang around. It was one of the reasons we stopped going. It was just really hard to deal with. Uh, yeah, they, they just uh, they they just get this mentality of of well, if 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 I were if I was burned, then then uh, then I'm not going to do this again. But they have nothing to replace it with. I see too many people listening to a guy like he's a nice guy, John DeLynn, uh, head of uh, Mormon Stories, is a podcast is very popular with people who have left the church. But what I have found with most people who like to listen to every episode. Uh, they become much like him. He 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 does not. He's he's not a fan of religion. He thinks religion is uh, the opiate of the people, as as has been said before. That it's just false faith, and uh, and I disagree with that. Uh, and I don't want people who leave to just leave because of these bombshells you're talking about. I want to introduce them to the other side. I don't want to just get them out. I want to I want to introduce them to Jesus. That's a good reason for why why I thought introducing Christianity to Mormons needed to be written because we have other books that are good to explain what Mormonism is and why it's not true, that, that those are important. We need to understand the, 
the uh, the counterfeit bills that are out there. We do need to study them and and be able to feel them and see the different take the different tests to be able to detect what is authentic. But we need to give them as well. Besides showing them what's wrong, we need to show them what's right. That's what I'm hoping this book will do to help you to be able to say, hey, listen, here's what Christianity has. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to take away those straw man arguments they use. Uh, Latter-day Saints like to say, oh, the Trinity, that's silly. You know, uh, God, the Father and Jesus are the same. Who is Jesus praying to in, in the Garden of Gethsemane? And the answer is easy. He's praying to God, the Father, but he's not the same person. They don't understand that or that you're saved by grace. Oh, I guess you just have to say a little prayer at a church meeting and you go out and commit murder and uh, adultery and that's okay. You don't believe in good works. No, the Bible says right after Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that we're saved by grace and not by works. It says, for we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And that's, that is the same as what James is saying in James 2.20, faith without works is dead. The most famous verse, it's the John 3.16 of Mormonism. Every Latter-day Saint knows John, uh, James 2.20. And I tell them, I agree with that. As part of sanctification, after you have been justified by faith alone, according to Romans chapter 5. So yeah, there's a lot there, but uh, I think you're exactly right on, 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 on your assessment of Mormons, uh, of of their attitude after they leave. That's the hard part. And that's God's work for us to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of funny. I, I sometimes think when I read James, that there's a possibility that that may be the only book that Joseph Smith actually read and just kind of twisted it all around. That's my <laughs> yeah. theory, but yeah. <laughs> in any case, and I totally agree with you. I think some of these people that, uh, I have listened to before and I've listened to Mormon stories before and different things. I, I hate when, the anger kind of comes across in, in anything when people leave, but I understand it though, too, um, because there were moments in time in my own faith journey that I was angry and confused, but nothing replaces the peace of Jesus. And it's a transformation. So when you have that transformation, the good works just pour out of you, not because of some rule set, but because you truly have been transformed as it talks about through the whole entire Bible, that transformation that happens, but, but really specifically, uh, the new Testament. And that's why I always like to tell people go on a Jesus journey, read the new Testament before you even decide to leave. And then once you get to know who Jesus really is, then you can go bombshell it all you want, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, Michael Wilder, uh, wrote the foreword to my book. And if you've read his book, passport to heaven, it's a great book. And that's how he became a Christian because a Christian pastor told him to read the new Testament, like a little child. And he ended up reading during his two-year mission. He read the, through the new Testament about 20 times. Can you imagine? And he becomes a Christian as a Mormon missionary. He ends up getting kicked out a week before he uh, um, he was supposed to uh, get off, which is not good. You don't want to get kicked off your mission, but he did. And so he's supposed to come home in shame. But actually, it was it was coming home in glory because it revolutionized his life. Jesus changed him forever. And that's what he can do for the people that are sincere, nice people. Latter-day Saints generally are. But their niceness and their goodness is not going to earn them brownie points with God, because there are going to be many, according to Matthew 7, who are going to say, Lord, Lord, look at all the good things I did. And he's going to say, I never knew you. But you can possibly have this relationship, and it's there for the asking. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, this is actually kind of a funny story. When I first 
found this new wonderful book that you wrote, which is really cool. I was going back through my little arsenal of books and I realized I have a whole bunch of books that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but what makes this new book that you you wrote, Introducing Christianity to Mormons, what makes this one different and something that need to pe- people need to go read? Well, and there's nothing wrong with our other books. Uh, Mormonism 101 is a great overview if you don't know much about the two religions to kind of see what the what is it that Salt Lake City and the leaders are teaching versus what the Bible teaches. And then answering Mormons questions. Uh, that answers 38 of the most common questions. It's a great book to have if you're talking to Latter-day Saints. You showed me there the uh, um, uh, sharing the good news with Mormons. I did that with Sean McDowell and we had uh, 20, I think 24 different chapters on a variety of ways that we can share. Those are all good. But I think what this book does differently is it does have enough in there, if you don't know much about Mormonism, to help you to see what Mormonism teaches. But my main focus is not the research that we're known for at Mormonism Research Ministry of bringing out all the citations of LDS leaders in their handbooks and to be able to say, oh, this is what they've said. I kind of summarize that. But my main objective, and I'm not doing it on my own, I'm using Uh, scholars and apologists and a number of other good Christian thinkers and writers to help me present a case for essential Christianity. What makes us Christian versus what Latter-day Saints, they they also want to be known as Christian, but what makes us different? And I want to present it in an accurate way to get rid of those straw man arguments so that they can't say, well, you believe this, you believe that. This is going to hopefully prepare somebody to be able to share accurately what Christians have agreed upon as far as who God is, who Jesus is, how we receive salvation, what is scripture? Those are all important questions that's dealt with here. I'm not getting into the peripheral side issues, in-house debates. I leave that for others. I'm more interested to say, this, this is what makes you a Christian to have these kind of beliefs. And it's not that difficult if you just go with this in your Bible. And I quote the Bible in this thing hundreds and hundreds of times because I don't want it this to be just my opinion or Wayne Grudem's opinion or Bill McKeever's opinion or Sandra Tanner's opinion. I want this to be the opinion of what we get based on proper interpretation of the Bible. Yeah. And I I just loved how it was put together because as somebody who was so confused for so long and and even coming to Christ then but am I actually following him or not? I you know there's so much that you have to deprogram. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so I think it's fantastic to have a resource to be able to say yes, this is the the truth. This is where you can find the truth and this is where you can understand more about who Christ really is. I, just a quick story. I had somebody who's a former Mormon who had been out for many years and they read the book and they said, you know, there were some things in there that I still was holding on to some of my old Mormonism. And so I think this is a great book for somebody who's a former Mormon to read, just get a better understanding of what it is that Christianity teaches. And also I wrote that this was a hard book to write in a sense that I knew I was writing for Christians mainly because it's a it's an evangelical Christian publisher. Harvest House is the one who publishes this. But I meant this to be a book that could be given away to a Latter-day Saint. So I need to write in a way that they will understand. In the back, I include an appendix that has a glossary of the terms that are used. And at the first time that term is used, it's in italics to let you know, go to, go to the back and see what that word means. But a lot of the words are the same term, like atonement or grace 
or Jesus, and I'll give the Christian definitions versus the LDS definition. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, former Mormons reading this going, oh, okay, and I hope that's the case. I hope this is this is not meant to be a systematic theology book, but it's meant to be a start. If you like this, then go read some of the systematic, the I use three of them in my book. Go to one of those and, and start studying more. You get a lot deeper. This is not is only it's less than 300 pages so it's not going to be everything but it's at least going to give you an introduction to it yeah i think it's fantastic a great place for people to start so if they were wanting to go get this book where would they find it and find out more about what you do well, we uh, our ministry uh, website is mrm.org. We have a podcast as well daily. We've been doing it for uh, five uh, for eleven years, five days a week. It's only fourteen minutes, but you can hear that. We're on six different radio stations, and you can see a number of articles, uh, hundreds of articles and videos and other things on our website mrm.org. But uh, we have a special website, introducingchristianity.com. One word, introducingchristianity.com, the two first two words of the book's title. And at the top there, I list the four places I know where you can get it. You can get it on our bookstore at mrm.org, but you can get it at amazon.com, uh, barnesandnoble.com, christianbooks.com, wherever, you know, search the prices out. You can also get this on Kindle. So I, I'm hoping this will be a book that Christians will want to read so they can be more effective in their evangelism and then possibly to hand that book off to somebody you know who's willing. I would not force the book on anybody, but hey, would you be willing to read this book? It kind of explains our position very versus kind of where you're at. And I, I actually have given that book to four or five Latter-day Saints who are reading it right now. We'll see how that comes out. But uh, they, they all promised me we're going to have lunch afterwards. So I'm waiting to have them start finishing this so we can we can start uh, getting into these conversations. Oh, that'll be a fun lunch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That'll be a good one. All right. So before I let you go, I always like to ask people, uh, you know, if we were talking to people who are just coming to Christ and they're confused, they're still trying to figure some things out, uh, what would be your recommendation for them? What would be um, the thing that might help them to find that faith? I'm going to highly suggest, even if you're confused, you're a former Latter-day Saint or you're nobody, you know, you just aren't a Christian, I would suggest finding a good Christian church. That would be so very important. I talk about that in chapter 10. Uh, uh, we have a, on our website, we have a, a website, utahchurches.org, and we actually bought utahchurches.com. We're going to have that up in a little bit, but utahchurches.org, you can actually uh, go on there and it knows your location and will tell you recommended churches in your area. Uh, but find a Christian uh, friend or coworker and say, hey, you know, I don't know much about going to church, but, you know, and, I, and going to church is not going to make you a Christian, but I think you're going to get pointed in the right direction. You really need somebody to journey with you. You can't do this on your own. So that would be the first thing. If they're talking to me, I'm willing to help them. If they want to write me at uh, eric, E-R-I-C, at mrm.org, I'd be happy to uh, have a conversation, dialogue with somebody, who, and I do that all the time. But um, uh, that's where I would point them to. And then I would just point them to how important, as we've talked about here in the past, uh, Shelby, to read their Bible and to, uh, to really understand as much as they can, the basic gospel message. And they have to make a determination. Is Jesus telling the truth? Is Paul telling the truth? Or is this a big sham? If it's a big sham, then don't, don't believe in Christianity. Then find out what is. Keep searching. That's what I would say. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I think that this is a book that is going to just help so many people. And I think that, uh, you know, your ministry and what you're doing is huge. And I just love the fact that uh, you're willing to put it all out there, which is so, so cool. And so doing exactly what Jesus asked us to do with the Great Commission, with going out there and telling people, um, you know, the gospel and who he is. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me on, Shelby. I appreciate it. Friends, such a good interview, right? Introducing Christianity to Mormons is, I think, going to be a book that everyone should have in their libraries. Eric was a wonderful person to talk to about just all of those different little things that really elude us when we are first coming to Christ. And this book is really going to clear a lot of that up for you. So run out there, grab it. I think it was a wonderful interview, wonderful book, and I would highly recommend this one. I also would love to just extend an invitation to you guys to jump on over to Finding Faith Above because I want to talk to you. A lot of us are really struggling, especially in this new year with everything that's going on with, uh, you know, kind of getting our lives all in, in check with hearing from God. I think that's one of the things that I definitely hear the most from other people is their struggle with hearing from God. And I would love to help you with your next steps, whether it be you are finding faith, whether you are living in that faith and hearing from him as you're living in that faith, or if you are ready to take some next steps in sharing that faith, really just hearing his will and knowing where to go with that. And I would love to talk with you more about that uh, and help you in your next steps. And so you can go ahead and grab a coaching session over there. I would love to have a chat with you and kind of see where we should go from here. All right. I will talk to you guys next time. 2023 is going to be an awesome year. I already know it. And, uh, have lots of great interviews lined up and all sorts of plans for this podcast. And I hope that you guys have some big plans also for your faith journey this year. All right. Talk to you soon.